Retail Smarts Podcast. I'm your host, Dominique Lamb. So today we're incredibly excited to be speaking to Kirsten Coran Costa Coolis from DesignerX, which was created in around 2016 after Kirsten had rented a dress from a complete stranger on Facebook. And I love this concept because I have been scanning your website and you have so many things that I would absolutely love to wear to so many events. Um, and it just seems such a wonderful and easy process. Tell me how you guys got started. Yeah, well, um, to that introduction, um, yeah, it was um, a Facebook type of scenario that sparked the idea. Um, if, yeah, if we go back, uh, Costa and I, you know, we met in, in real estate, so our background is in, in the real estate industry. Um, but, yeah, through the company I was working for at the time, uh, there was an awards night. And, and like we know in the e-commerce industry, there's um, a big bash. And so I went shopping to find that really nice dress. Um, and I found myself standing in the Strand Arcade and I tried on a dress and I loved it, fell in love and I was going to do anything to, to have that dress. Um, it was a thousand dollars and I just was standing there and we're just kind of thinking, you know, I'm only going to wear this once to this one awards night. And then I want the next dress, for example, like you want to try different, different dresses. Um, and I just couldn't justify purchasing it for a thousand dollars for one wear. So the value there was, it was there in a way, but I just couldn't justify the purchase. And so, yeah, I went back to the office and the girls in the office said, Hey, look, um, you can rent dresses on Facebook. The girls like trying to rent out their dresses. And I was like, Oh my God, fantastic. And I happened to find that one dress and I did rent it from a, from a girl who kind of had a, you know, a mock-up rental business, like he's my wardrobe and rent dresses from me. And so, yeah, I emailed my credit card details to her in the hopes that it would all go smoothly, but I really wanted this dress, you know, for a fraction of the price, you know, 10% of the retail price. Um, and it did go smoothly, but that's when we realized that there was kind of this really, really big opportunity. There's lots of girls trying to do this through Facebook, but there was nowhere, you know, it wasn't secure. Emailing your credit card details is just not secure um, and definitely not at scale. So um, if something did go wrong, Facebook wouldn't be able to have helped us. Uh, yeah, and that's what really kind of sparked this massive opportunity for us to look into and research. And Costa, where did your interest in this partnership come into it? I mean, you may or may not be renting dresses, but, um, you know, where did you kind of kind of decide that this was the idea for you? Yeah, so, um, no, you're right. I don't rent dresses myself personally, but um, I saw a gap in the market, and I love innovating. Um, in my previous uh, life, I guess I had innovated in the real estate industry, and so what we realized was the, there were rental websites around as in inventory stores that would rent out their own inventory, but there was no peer-to-peer -peer solution for any consumer to be able to rent out their own dress or any small business. Um, so I guess my interest um, was, was when we saw that there was an opportunity and we thought, okay, well, we've got these rental businesses that exist. How about if we create a peer-to-peer -peer solution? Because the vast majority of dresses are actually in wardrobes located all over the country and all over the world, if you look at it from an international perspective. So that's where my my interest, I guess, was sparked. Um, and I love technology and I love seeing the way technology can actually provide solutions to different markets. And um, and, and I've been a captive audience ever since. I absolutely love it. 
So I understand that you guys have been selected to join a startup accelerator um, in San Francisco, which led you to expand the brand, leading you to establish your head office or headquarters in New York City. What has that been like? Because you're just talking about Costa, the global nature of this business. What's it like kind of going from Australia, creating, you know, a startup and then being in an accelerator that's really kind of changed, I guess, maybe the trajectory of what you were thinking originally? Yeah. Um, well, I, I must say after that, we, we always did have a global vision. Um, uh, but what the opportunity arose, we were, we were selected by Austrade as part of their landing pads program. And we were fortunate enough to spend a few months in San Francisco at first, because that's where the, their program was based. And, um, and then subsequently, uh, we got a, a, a head office in, in New York. Um, so the, so Austrade have helped us immensely. It was like a foot in the door of a new market. There's a lot to learn, new tax systems, new sales tax. You know, the, the sales tax system is in the US is completely more complicated than Australia's. Um, and there's a lot to learn and, and they assisted us with that. Um, the challenges in the, in the USA, um, at, well, of course, our objective in the USA is to replicate our success in Australia um in, into a, a massive market over there um and so there, there are market there are localized marketing that we've had to do there's localized i guess sales to some to some aspect um although as a technology company um predominantly i mean everything is online so it's our platform that i guess is scalable and it's just a matter of, of localizing it for markets around the world one of our other uh um, target markets is we're soon going to be expanding to the US, to, sorry, to the UK and Europe as well. They're all about that. And Kirsten, what was the, what was the big thing that you learned from the accelerator process? Um, you know, you had this great idea. You know, you engaged with this this seller on Facebook, and then you kind of took this idea and you've you've grown it to a, a global company with Costa. I mean, what was the the learnings from the accelerator? Yeah, well, yeah, like Costa mentioned, we, we had a global vision from the start and we thought, um, how can we scale this? Uh, and literally at the beginning, I was like, let's buy 20 dresses and rent them out. And he's like, no, that's not, let's like, there's so many dresses out there and we can incentivize the consumer to buy at retail um, because they can make money back. Um, and so the Austrade landing pad program, it really fast tracked our entry into that market. So we always had earmarked it as our next market, you know, rent the runway, um, billion dollar company now inventory based, but really educated the market on renting and really got the consumer okay with renting. You know, it was a bit taboo at some, you know, not even that long ago. Um, so that was why we, we earmarked the US um, as the next entry market. Um, but with the Austrade landing pad program, you know, it's, it's what you make of it as well. And um, it really fast tracked it for us. So to be selected and to, to jet over there and, and spend time on the ground, um, was a huge opportunity for us and we, and we dropped everything and left. So, What's it like working as a partnership? Because many of our listeners are thinking about getting into retail, you know, considering are they going to be e-commerce or, you know, what kind of vertical are they going to be in or they're just interested in hearing kind of where people started and obviously you both started in real estate. You'd had a previous relationship um, prior to kind of being co-founders. What is it like being in a partnership and you know, what's your advice to our listeners about that? 
Firstly, it's a work smile. in progress. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's a work in progress, but, um, yeah, I think definitely um, recognising your strengths and weaknesses and filling gaps. And, and we will both always have weaknesses too, so that's where we bring in team members and advisors and we're very lucky actually to have built a great advisory team building, um, you know, with, with Wayne Baskin and, and Shane Linton on the on the advisory board. So they fill gaps that we can't fill ourselves. But, um, yeah, a true understanding of each other's strengths um, and weaknesses and, and when to kind of allow the other one to, um, you know, make decisions on certain points. Costa, where do you think you best compliment Kirsten in this kind of partnership? Yeah, I, look, I think hands down, Kirsten saw the from a marketing positioning perspective, there were rental businesses, I guess, out there. And we were coming not as a rental business, but we were coming in as a, as a technology platform, which is what we are. But uh, Kirsten saw how, look, she made it cool, I, I guess. Um, and that was hard to find around at the time. So definitely one of Kirsten's strengths is, is the marketing and the, the positioning. She's... She's um, placed designer X amongst the, the our female following, which is in the many many thousands. Um, and and I guess I complement that potentially from a technology point of view and, and uh, um, in that respect because I, I really love technology and and I, and I love um, yeah building products and, and and it kind of works. Costa's good at executing and doing things quickly, whereas maybe I'm a little bit more on the perfectionist side. So that's where we really need we we meet in the middle. Um, yeah, where I'm, I'm pursuing, you know, a perfect type product, but you can never pursue perf- perfection because you'll never get something done. Um, and at the same time, managing his, let's do it like today, yesterday, um, too quickly almost. So I guess coming together, we kind of do get that perfection in a way. Also, what I was hearing was he was saying, you're the cool kid and he's the nerd. <laughs> I mean, let's just break it down. Really he was like, yeah, I'm all about the tech. Yeah. She absolutely brought the cool. That, that's kind of how that's it was. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, obviously, yeah. um, you know, you work through those those issues as they kind of arise. What are, I guess, um, you know, ways in which you've kind of learnt to do that? Um, can you think of a time where you know, you've had had to have really difficult conversations with each other, but you've been able to kind of work through that and, and what allowed you to get through it? You know, is it your friendship? Is it just a, a really great respect for each other's kind of expertise in this space? Um, you know, or is it just that you guys are so used to working with each other that, you know, there's a certain level of acceptance of each other's crazy? How does it work? So we're, yeah, so we're co-founders, we're business partners and we're partners in life as well. So, um, and two kids as well. So there's a lot to manage under our um, partnership. Um, I think what it comes down to, if it's, if it's a business type of, you know, um, we come head to head, I think we default to systems and processes just like any other business um, and following, yeah, systems. Because then ultimately you, you blame the system, not each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's always a good thing. Yeah. What do you think, Costa? Do you think it's about the systems? I, I think there's no doubt we, we fall back onto systems. I also think um, uh, any life partner, I guess, relationship, you ultimately, whether you like it or not, you're often involved in business anyway, whether you're running household finances or working out who, you know, when you're going to drop off the kids to school, um, things that kind of have to be run almost business-like. So uh, essentially you've got to start 
being able to work together as a business anyway, I think, in life to make a life partnership work. Um, and, and if it doesn't, you know, it's not the fault of the business. It's probably the fact that you just couldn't work as a business within your lives together and, and run the, run the house or run, you know, what, what's necessary on a daily basis. So, um, I think basically, yeah, whether you're in business or, or not, you're going to be running as a business in some capacity in any case. So really it's about teams, you know, and, and how do you think, um, you know, it's gone in terms of your teams. I mean, how have you found growing teams, particularly on a national scale and then obviously in an international scale? I mean, that's a that's a very different jump to make. What has that been like? I, I think um, what we always look for is fit within culture. So we've got a customer service team here in Sydney. Um, so as long as they fit from a culturally, from a cultural perspective, in terms of our values, we're um, we're great supporters of innovation world we're we're in a field that where there's no playbook there's no playbook for this thing we're inventing things all the time we um we were one of the first to well we were the first uh peer-to-peer rental marketplace to introduce uh, afterpay we were the first to introduce id verification to make this the renting um transaction secure we we just recently did a, a a partnership with australia post whereby we helped australia post build their first automated label product for marketplaces. Um, so the, we're always, uh, I guess, leading the field in, and, and you've you got to be able to, to work in an innovative and kind of ever-changing startup kind of environment. Um, and that's the kind of culture that – and the kind of people, I guess, we, we attract and, and the culture that we like to feed, I guess. And, Kirsten, what are the, um, you know – what kind of people do you look for when you're hiring? Like if they're, in, they're obviously you have got to be inter- interested in innovation, interested in the product and the brand amongst other things. But I mean, what are the values that you like to see reflected in your staff? Yeah, well, a big part of what we do, like the, our whole business model is around circularity. So, and and it was really the problem when, when we talked about the problem before was because of a deep, deeply ingrained um, value in mine, my life, not to waste. I didn't even realize what I was kind of unraveling here, but the ultimate, um, issue I was facing was I didn't want to waste the stress. And, um, and so, yeah, what we look for is, is, um, similar values in, in sustainability and doing good for people and planet and everything we do every day. Um, like Costa said is innovating, but innovating for our consumer so they can maximize um, the value out of the platform for themselves and their lives. Um, we've got over 6,000 currently uh, dress owners that make up 30,000 listings on the platform and a 1,000 of those consider themselves rental businesses. So we're actually creating this community of entrepreneurs. A lot of these girls have full-time jobs, but they they want to be able to access fashion. And so we enable them to be able to buy what they like um, and then rent it out, offset some of the price, um, and in, in some occasions make profit from their dresses. So, and they often then, when they become good at it, um, they start making a lot of money from it. They actually, um, you know, create a logo and create a business. They want to be professional about it, um, and have their kind of side hustles. So yeah, everything we do every day is to support them. It's really fascinating that you guys are talking about growing communities and, and obviously that concept of consumer activism, which we talk about, you know, all the time on this show and this, I guess, you know, concept that consumers now demand that 
their values, particularly around sustainability and environment and, and all of those things are absolutely reflected. You know, are they considerations that you make when you make business decisions, you know, when it comes to postage or wrapping or, you know, how your vendors are kind of communicating with each other? So, like I said, at the beginning, like we always knew we were doing good. It was around circularity. Every single booking on the platform is repurposing fashion. So, we, so for the first few years, we were really focused on the technology side of things and enabling um, a marketplace to flourish and providing those technology tools because without doing that, um, we wanted to avoid, you know, spray painting this we're we're so sustainable which we were but we wanted to be able to um, measure that through traction as well we need you know the most traction um, to be able to have the biggest impact Uh, and so yeah recently we actually did a deep dive with a sustainability consultant and, and we looked at how uh, sustainable renting is and and as a pure play rental platform um, we really wanted to to be able to measure that with um, with metrics and and we did find that renting is the most sustainable uh, option of consuming fashion. Uh, some of our dress owners on the platform have rented out a single dress 30 times over. So when you look at, you know, a resale or linear consumption, um, like linear, you buy it once. Resale, you might sell it once or twice, you know, the journey of that dress. Once you resell, it goes back into someone's wardrobe, whereas rental uh, is booked back-to-back weekends often. So um, 30 times for one dress is just mind-boggling um, in terms of extracting value out of that garment and, um, yeah, giving it life and, and really um, – yeah, that's 30 different consumers that probably would have gone and bought fast fashion item because what, what consumers are after is something new and something quick, something affordable, uh, and rental offers all those things to consumers. It's really interesting, um, you know, obviously to hear about, you know, the circular nature and, and just kind of the changing nature of consumer habits. And obviously we've talked about teams and, and your own employees and what you look for in terms of hiring. What's it like in terms of managing that consumer complaint, you know, around your sellers? So, you know, if they get a dress and you know, it's not the dress that they wanted or, you know, getting a dress returned and having a, a stain or a problem with the dress. I mean, what is that like, um, you know, as the platform? Where do you guys get involved? So, so there's a dispute resolution process, um, and interestingly enough, it's it is very rare that disputes happen. It's less than one percent of transactions. The vast majority of transactions just go smoothly. Um, but in the instance that it does happen, there's a process that 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 is followed, um, and that's one of the reasons why the technology is important as well. We always suggest that you take the ID off the other person, so that literally verify the ID using integrated. Um, license and or passport technology um, uh, and we also in some cases keep credit card uh, details on file uh, but in any case we're there to support that transaction so there is a process that's followed but we'll get an email and we'll try and resolve that as, as best as possible but it, but it is it is very rare it's less than one percent of cases by, by far. But that that is ultimately like the reason why we saw the opportunity of a platform coming in to support the the rental transaction because like I said I did do it on Facebook and it did go smoothly she sent me the dress I sent it back and everything was fine but at scale and then in the instance that something does happen there was no one to go to 
Um, and, and so that's why trust and security was pretty much our main focus. And we launched with ID verification technology. And that's why we custom built our technology platform to be able to integrate these tools that we knew were required for, uh, this circular economy platform to be able to, to scale and work globally. It's it's really incredible to hear about, you know, this concept of putting in place um, ID verification because, you know, we often hear about, you know, consumers being nervous about their data and, and information and all of those kinds of things. And, and you guys have successfully implemented, you know, a technology platform that is literally changing the shape of um, apparel and, and certainly plays and has a huge place in that, that circular economy world. Um, what was it like to convince consumers to use the technology on your platform? Good question. Um, <laughs> I think with ID verification, there wasn't, I think that feature in itself, um, pretty, that was pretty, I guess, self-explanatory. People will kind of get it. Um, we made sure in the user flow, in our UX, that we, you know, we, we instigated the right notification at the right time for that user to know, okay, well, let, let me verify my ID. So I think with that specific feature, it wasn't too much of an issue. People wanted to do it. Um, we've recently also got in beta trial a three-hour delivery. So right at this very point in time, you can literally type your postcode and, and in, in a few seconds you can get uh, a whole number of dresses that are available within three hours. Um, so with that, um, and even with that, I guess, because it's also available in other aspects of e-commerce, people might already be educated in that to some extent, um, even though it's unique to our specific offering as a, as a peer-to-peer renting marketplace. So um, depending on the feature, um, I, I guess, it, uh, depending on the feature, um, uh, it depends on what sort of education we need to do. Um, but to date, I, I guess the the biggest um, transition has been just just getting the education around where we fit in from a consumer point of view in terms of, okay, so you've bought a dress, you've worn it once or twice, all right, how do we fit in in the circle economy? Because essentially there's two options. You've got either resale or you've got renting. And the big, big benefit with renting is what one of the things that Kirsten mentioned is, is not only are we the most sustainable option, but if you choose to resell, and resell is great at some point in time, but if, if we choose to resell right now, it's almost a, well, not almost, it's pretty much a guaranteed loss-making exercise because the most you're going to get back if you resell a, a new dress, like a new manning cartel or a dress, you might get you know, half your money back, so 50% back. Um, whereas if you rent it because it's ongoing, it can actually be a profitable exercise. In some cases, we've got users that have that that have rented our dress that have that they've bought it for four hundred dollars and earned two and a half thousand dollars back. So you can make six hundred percent back. So um, one of the biggest um, education journeys that we're embarking on is letting consumers know exactly where renting uh, fits in within the circular economy. Because too often we hear. But, you know, one circle economy, you know, you've got the one circle economy, but now as the circle economy is growing, especially post-COVID, um, there's a big educational aspect to that of where does renting fit? And, and we're ultimately a category specialist because renting really works to extract value from designer fashion. It's not going to work for T-shirts. 
it's not going to work for sneakers. And too often you get, you know, um, circle economy, you've got uh, sneakers, T-shirts. They might be great for resale, but renting, when it comes to designer fashion, you, you really want to, um, to maximize profitability and sustainability, you want to look at, at renting and pure play fashion renting where we're at uh, enables us to provide all that all those tools to make that possible. How do you go about educating people? Yeah, I think from the marketing perspective, like at the beginning, you know, there's a supply and demand um, situation. You know, kind of, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. go to market strategy we needed to to assess. Uh, and so, with the just to take it back to launch, we um, gathered those dresses that were on Facebook and said, "Hey, look, it's free to list. Um, there's a small service fee charged if you get an accepted booking. So there's only a service fee charged when you make money." Um, and so building up that supply side and then literally from then we've kind of only marketed to the uh, demand side. But with the platform, it's very fluid in terms of if you're a renter, you kind of come over to the other side as well and you realise, hang on, I've got dresses too. Why is Samantha from Adelaide making money? I should be making money too. I've got like a beautiful dresses or I buy lots as well. So um so the education piece, we focused on the demand side. Like, hey, look, um, we kept it kind of simple. Rent, you can rent this dress from Samantha. The, instantly, you're thinking, wow, I can rent this from like these individual girls around the country. And then that education piece kind of flows from there. You jump on the site, and then you learn a bit more. Um, yeah, and then we'll kind of tell you a bit about lending and, and listing your own dress and how easy it is. So. To list a dress, literally four easy steps. You get a dress listed within a matter of minutes, um, and and supply has never really been an issue for us. Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of clothing listed every month, typically. Um, so we, yeah, we we go for that demand side, and and we see a lot of traction there. How do you feel about being called a disruptor? I, we, I, I think I, we like I, it. Yeah. <laughs> you like it. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind. The, the other thing as well is, without a doubt, we're incentivizing the purchase of dresses, especially with renting. And not many retailers may be aware that, you know, consumers uh, consumers are often more, uh, I guess, aware than in some cases retailers. Because um, especially when, when it comes to renting, it, when it comes to buying now a dress, it's not so much how much is this dress going to cost me, but when when you see what designers can offer consumers, it's it becomes well, how much can I possibly make from this dress? So these are the kind of questions that people are asking themselves when they're at a retailer's checkout. So the world has kind of changed, and yes, I guess we've we've played a role in that. Um, but I don't I don't think we, we mind the term disruption, and I think it's disruption for a good thing because it's not only a win for consumers. Now they're making money out of a dress that would otherwise have been sitting in a wardrobe doing nothing. It's a win for retailers because they're going to be able to sell more dresses. We're incentivizing the sale for more, of more dresses, but also a win for the planet. Um, when you rent, it's, it's one third of the CO2 emissions compared to your traditional consumer uh, consumption. It's, it's half the CO2 emissions compared to resale. So it's the most sustainable option, the most profitable option. So we're literally um, aligning profitability with sustainability and there's not many um transactions that, that achieve that so that's that's why we don't mind the term disruption it's doing good for everyone one of the burning questions for me is kirsten are you 
still renting from your own site? Absolutely. I do both. <laughs> you so, sell yeah. and rent, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if, if it's not available or something, uh, new season just drops and I love it and I know it will do good, I buy it and then I rent it out. And so I've made profit from dresses. And, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, I need to experience the platform all the time, you know, to uh, make sure that the experience um, end-to-end is as seamless as possible. And it's always a work in progress, like Costa um, mentioned, with um, constantly innovating. Um, and because we're at the forefront of innovation, we, um, yeah, always looking at, at how can we make it as easy as possible. Now, the, the last question that we ask everybody that comes on the show, and so we'll obviously have to ask both of you, but you may also have the same answer, is what are you watching or what are you reading at the moment? So, Costa, what are you watching or what are you reading or what, you know, or both? <laughs> okay. Uh, I was recently reading, um, and I'm still right at the very end of it, the Financial Intelligence for Entrepreneurs. I forget who the author is. Uh, great book. It puts like uh, cash flow statements and balance sheets and all that into into layperson's terms. Um, uh, highly recommended for other entrepreneurs. Uh, what am I watching? I was watching the Elon Musk documentary mm-hmm. recently. I, I watched it a few. Have you seen it, Dominic? Yourself? I haven't. I've heard really good things about it though, and obviously I'm particularly interested now that he's purchased Twitter. So yeah, there you go. Um, he's, he's in the news today, yeah. Um, so I've been watching that recently. Yeah. Highly recommend that as well. Fantastic. And Kirsten? I'm a big fan right now of Business of Fashion um, podcasts. And um, so anything to do with um, educating myself on, on sustainability and fashion and where that's heading, um, yeah, to add to what we, we kind of predict the future for, for this industry, um, yeah, that's what I'm consuming. And are you oh, watching okay. anything? Literally, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you probably don't have time to. Be I don't there. have time. I honestly, yeah, I watch the Elon Musk. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. watching. <laughs> I'm trying to finish it. It takes me about a month to finish anything um, around work and, and, and life. And so how do you both juggle kind of um, outside of work life with, with work? Because I feel like it must all just merge. It's a big mashup. It's a big pot. <laughs> no, but um, it's a juggle. And, and um, But I think, it, you know, the fast-paced nature of our life means there's deadlines and, and things kind of have to get done, otherwise they don't get done. So, um, so it's, a, it's a good thing. It gets you moving and gets you doing. Fantastic. Well, look, this has been um, incredibly insightful and, you know, for – for two people that define themselves as a technology platform, you're in doing some incredible things for certainly the environment and also for consumers. And I think, you know, in a world like ours at the moment, it's it's always great to hear from business leaders that are absolutely giving back. And we know that, you know, the latest Edelman reports that have come out around trust is that, you know, the expectation now is that business leaders are the ones that we go to to make these kind of courageous decisions. And, and that, sounds like it's the two of you even if it was something that you feel like you you know sort of stumbled across it you know you really very much made it about um you giving back to all levels of anyone that really engages with your brand so it's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you so thank you so much for coming on our show we can't wait to see what the next installment is for you guys and, and where you end up so absolutely keep us posted so thank you Thank you so much for having us, Dominique. Thank you so much, Dominique. Pleasure. 
Want to know more about the Australian retail industry? Visit nra.net.au for more insights just like these.